Welcome to another inspiring message from David Hall, pastor of LifePoint Church, Adelaide, Australia. It's our sincere prayer that you would experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. For more information, please visit davidhall.com.au. But I, I am so excited to see you today. If you're visiting, we want to welcome you. And I know we've already mentioned that to you, but from, from Donna, from myself, you mean the world to us. We're so glad you're here. We love seeing new faces. We love seeing familiar faces. And, and we're just so glad you came to church to worship with us today. But I really feel like God's got a word for our church. And uh, if you have a Bible, turn with me, please, to the book of Psalms. And I want to read a psalm. Thank you, musicians. You may be seated. And we're going to get in the Word together. The book of Psalms. And I want to have a look at Psalm 91 this morning. I've got a... For those who were here last Sunday, I started a, se- a, a, a series called uh, The Secret Things. A series called "The Secret Things," and and uh, and, I, and I spoke about what happens behind closed doors in our personal devotional life, in our worship life, touching God, and and so we talked about a few benefits of taking the time to disconnect and have fellowship with God, and and I'm not talking about as as a, as a corporate uh, gathering today. I'm talking about in our uh, everyday lives, and, and 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 we talked about some of the blessings of the secret place. What happens in the secret place, and and we talked about the fact that the secret place is not a secret. Uh, what happens in private, in our private worlds, the Bible says will be shouted from the rooftops. And we used to preach that to scare people into not sinning. What you do in private. The whole world's going to know about it because God will expose you and, and all of this. The truth is that in some cases, you know, God's God and you don't want to mess with Him and you've got to have a fear of God. But ultimately, uh, God's actually saying what you forge uh, in devotional life with God will have a very big impact on, on your public life. And I don't like the term public life in the It's not the best terminology because it implies celebrity and all that. That's not really what I'm saying. I'm just saying what people see uh, in your life. In, in, in general living. Another, another thing is that the secret place brings re- reward. Uh, the Bible says uh, that, that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently, I love that word, diligently seek him. The Bible sa- tells us, and we, we're preaching that the secret place is a safe place. God doesn't make too many rules about coming to him, but the one thing he does say is don't use vain repetitions. In other words, just come... Uh, Real, just be real. Uh, come before God uh, in an authentic manner. And and we talked about last week that the, the secret place is a place where prayer is answered and needs are met. Uh, the we, we talked about how God is always present in the secret place. He's, he's there, the Bible says in Matthew 6 verse 6, pray to your Father who is in. Somebody say in. in. That, that word in means a fixed position. God is in the secret place. He's there. Uh, I want to remind you that if you feel like you haven't had an encounter with God or you haven't heard 
God or, or being in the presence of God, I would remind you to come back to that secret place because the Father's waiting. Uh, he's always there. He is in a fixed position. He's in the secret place and He wants to touch your heart and He wants to touch your life. It's a place of reward. It's a place of blessing. And God is there in the secret place. Can you say amen this morning? And, and so, so, so I, I guess last week we established the benefits, the blessings of uh, coming together in that place, touching God, being in His presence, abiding uh, in devotion, prayer before God. But, but, but maybe uh, we didn't really get into the nitty gritty of how and and how we must function in the in the presence of the Lord. And so, I want to, I want to, I want to get to that today. But I want to have a look at Psalm ninety one. We may have a look in Galatians as well. I just feel like as a church, uh, my heart for us is to grow in, in, our, in, our, in our depth of relationship with God. Uh, I, yeah, of course, we want to be a large church and we are growing. I mean, we've got two services. We've got three campuses now across the state and, and God's blessing it. But ultimately, I, I would be far more keen to be big in spirit uh, than, 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 than big in the natural. And, and I, I pray that as a church, we would dig deep wells in God and there'd be a bit of substance to our relationship with Jesus. Not, not a superficial kind of Christianity, but something that's got some weight to it, you know. And so when we pray, things happen. When we uh, talk about God, there's, there's a divine thing that happens in the spirit realm. And, and so today, I want to I preach into this a little bit out of Psalm 91. I'm going to spend a little bit of time here. Then I'm going to give you three thoughts today. I'm believing that God is going to do something great in the house. God, can you say amen this morning? It says in Psalm 91, and most theologians believe this was written by Moses. How does that work? I don't even know. But it was collected somewhere, a Psalm of Moses. It says, it says in Psalm 91 verse 1, He who dwells in the secret place, somebody say the secret place, of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Now, what is that? That's demonic forces. We've got to understand that that demonic realm is real. And Christians, uh, sometimes we're so new school that we forget some old school things. And, and there is an old school devil. There's an old school hell. There's old school demons. But we've still got the old school blood of Jesus. We've still got the old school Word of God. We've still got, oh, shaka mahanda. Bless Jesus, man. I'm just reading scripture and getting fired up right about now. Taylor, you did a great job today. Man, you're good. Surely he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Sounds like a tongue twister, doesn't it? Peter Pepper picked a peck of perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you shall take refuge. Cover you with his feathers. The overshadowing creative touch of Almighty God. That overshadowing presence came upon Mary and Jesus was, was birthed in her womb. The Bible tells us that under His wings you shall take refuge. I don't have time to explain, but it speaks of access. Between the wings of the cherubim we commune with God. And, and it goes on to say, His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. I've experienced that on Friday night. Nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. In other words, he's talking about demonic attack, direct, indirect, and covert. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come 
near you. Isn't that favour? That's the favour of God. He says, Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you've made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you. What? This is so, this will encourage you, you know. Trouble's coming into your world. Trouble might come to a city, but the tent of the righteous has the hand of God extended to it and goes on to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and, and the cobra, the lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. It's interesting here. I'm not an English major. I'm not, I'm not a, a great theologian. But, I, but, I, but I, I'm smart enough to read one thing that the person speaking seems to change. Have a look at verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. Capital H. He, God, is my refuge and my fortress. So this is verse 2. And if you look at verse 3, Surely He, we're talking about God, will deliver you. He will deliver you. Now if we can jump to verse 14 for just one second, have a look at this. It just seems to change the person speaking because he, listen, has sent his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I'll set him on high because he has known my name. Verse 15, it says this, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. And verse 16 says, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, I don't know about you, but it just seems to me that I think God was getting so excited about this psalm, he hijacked the thing. Moses, you're doing all right, but I've got it from here, brother. Let, let, let me show you. Can I tell you, that's how the secret place works. There comes a point where your dialogue with God is so full of grace and truth that you stop speaking and now God is bringing promise into your life. That's a, that's a great truth. And that's how God works. And you know, too often our Christian experience is based on what we say and what we think and our observations. I, I want to get to a place where I know my God with such intimate, a godly relationship that when I start talking to Him, He says, yeah, I'm going to bless you. I mean, I'm gonna, with long life, I'll satisfy you. Can I say there is something about the secret place that unlocks the thunder of heaven. The Bible says in the book of Galatians chapter 5, talking about the secret place, some of you might get to the secret place and go, well, that's never happened to me. I've never had the thundering voice of God hijack those moments. Can I say, I would say very rarely do I. Feel like there is something mosaic Uh, as in a mountaintop experience where the divine oracles of Almighty God are plunged forth into my world and yea, verily, I bring them forth to you. That's not, but can I say this? Galatians says this, and this has really flicked a switch in my spirit. It says, says, he who sows into the Spirit, Galatians 5, will of the Spirit reap. And he says, don't grow weary in well-doing. Now, of course, the context of that is, in our giving. But he still uses this term while talking about giving. Within that, 
He who sows into the Spirit. I have preached for 15 years. I've probably preached two, maybe even 250 times every year. I've preached twice a weekend minimum, you know. And, 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 And then during the week conferences, I'm preaching all the time. Now, the reason I'm telling you that, I've preached a lot. I've never preached on sowing into the Spirit. But as I've been studying this idea of the secret place, one of the things that has, has, has been apparent to me is that he says, he says, if you sow into the Spirit, you'll love the Spirit reap. Don't grow weary in well-doing. It tells me that there are times that I'm going to spend time in the secret place sowing into the Spirit. But I may not necessarily leave with the reward that day. But the seed that's been sown will always have a manifestation. So in other words, you might have your quiet time with God and you're hoping for a thunderous, raucous voice of heaven and it may not be that thunderous and it may not be that raucous. And you leave going, oh yeah, spend some time with God. Never for one minute, never for one minute, underestimate the significance of sowing in the Spirit. Forging depth and weight for God to do something. Every time you go into that secret place, what are you doing? You're building capacity within yourself to carry what God wants to bring into your life. And can I encourage you? We've got to be a people who sow in the Spirit and not grow weary in well-doing, but stay in the secret place. But I do want to say this. I don't believe, I, I don't feel like I ever spend time with God and leave empty-handed at all. But I, I'm also saying that these Psalm 91 moments they're an exception, not necessarily the normal. Now, you might have a Christian friend who claims that that's them every time and they levitate when they sleep and they only speak in tongues. And, and they can have at it, all power to them. But I'm just an everyday punter, you know. I'm, just a, I'm like you. We're just trying to hold on to God, get to heaven and be effective. And I know that with the busyness of life, with kids, with bills, with families, with all of those things, you get in the presence of God. Sometimes, for me, the presence of God is not to have that oracle of God, the coal from the altar of heaven to touch my very lips. Sometimes it's just keeping sane and keeping married. And it's not that I need to go there to want to stay married to Donna. I've got to go there so she still wants to be married to me. Don't you dare say amen. I say all that to say this. That all of those things aside, there is something beautiful that happens when you and I come back to the secret place and allow God to do what he wants to do in our lives in the name of Jesus. And I, I really had three thoughts today that I want to preach. And, and I, I'm not one to plagiarize. Um, I borrow, but I don't plagiarize. But today I, I do want you to know what I have been reading. And I seldom get up here and recommend a book to our church. Uh, but there's a book that's, that, that someone gave me uh, called The Secrets of the Secret Place by Bob Sorgay. I don't know anything about the guy other than this book is changing my life. And, and I felt like what it's doing in my personal devotion and, and in my worship of God, I've just found the principles of this have been an impact to me over the last season that, that I've been in. And I just feel like it's something that I've wanted to bring to our church. So some of the ideas, they're ideas we all know. And, and you know, I don't think there's anything... Uh, silly about passing on somebody else's thoughts and but I, this is my message but I do feel like that's been a huge part of what's feeding this series to me so I want to encourage you have a look into that I, th- I think you'll be blessed but I want to talk about three ways to enter 
into the secret place. So we talked last week about how the secret place is a place where you can shut the door. So in other words, that secret place is your place of fellowship with God where you can be uninterrupted. And I just want to encourage you to make sure you find those places. I wonder if maybe today, as a result of last Sunday hearing the word, you did make a bit of an effort uh, to spend some one-on-one time with God. And, and, and I encourage you, um, that's, that's the altar call today, to go home and spend time with the Lord. And, and so as we're looking at this, I want to, I want to have a look at three ways to enter uh, into the secret place. Number one, uh, it's with a listening ear. A listening ear. When God brought the Israelites out of Egypt through the Red Sea to Mount Sinai, He appeared to them as a, as a visible and a pillar of fire on the mountain. He spoke to them with such an, a, a thundering, audible voice that it was so overwhelming that ultimately really only Moses had the capacity to go into the presence of God and then come down and bring, uh, and bring the word to them and, and the psalmist referring to that scene in Psalm 81 verse 7, he said, I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. God's, uh, for, for lack of better words, exchange with people on Mount Sinai, that, that, was, a, that was a secret place. And it was a place that was a deserted mountain where they were to go or where Moses was to go to hear from God and God speak to them. But Moses, when he went, he always went with a listening ear. And I want to say this, as believers and as Christians, one of the highest things that we can uh, believe God for in our, within our Christian experience. So obviously the highest thing that can happen is, is a non-believer accepting uh, Jesus Christ and, and having the, the, the power of the cross and power of salvation do its work in our life. We get born again and saved. That's the highest thing that can happen. Greatest miracle. There's nothing greater on the planet that can happen than that. But within uh, the framework of Christianity, one of the highest things that we as Christians can aspire to know is the voice of God. Hearing God's voice, God talking to us. Now, I'm not talking about being somebody that hears voices. However, God, if He wants to speak in an audible voice, can. But that's not, that, that's not always how He speaks. I don't know about you, but, but, but He speaks to me in different ways. Circumstances. Uh, I, I don't believe circumstances directly have a voice, but we can look at a circumstance and get the mind of God on that circumstance. God speaks through His Word. Uh, you might have a prophetic anointing. Uh, I, I would say this, if you have a prophetic anointing and you hear from God all the time, I would tell you right now that if you don't have equally as big a love for this Bible and the Word of God, your prophetic anointing will never be balanced and it will never be of any use to the house, the local church, the greater body of Christ. The prophetic prophetic people, if you're in this house and and we have some prophetic people, I thank God for you. Love this Bible, love this book. Breathe it in, read it, get it in your spirit. So when you prophesy, you prophesy on the words of God. Anyway. But, I, but, but, but you look at Scripture. Let me say this. There's always a conversation happening in heaven. The voice of God is always speaking. His voice is the sound of many waters. The voice of God is speaking. And, and the reality is, if you're not hearing God's voice or, or we're not hearing God's voice, it's not a God not talking issue. It's a us not hearing issue. And so we've got to be a people that have a listening ear. I don't know about you, but I, I've got uh, this... This uh, desire to like to talk. 
I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that yourself. Uh, but the problem is I know that I've got terrific things to say. So, so I feel like it's everyone's privilege to just sit around and hear my words. My, I picked the perfect job really, didn't I? I get, to, I get to just do this every week, just have a chat with everyone. How's it going? Let me tell you about let me tell you what's going on. So, but have you ever been around that person that when you're talking to them, they're not really listening? They're just sort of nodding. But their nod's kind of like more of a waiting to talk. Their, their nod's like, yeah, hurry up. Uh-huh. Yeah, not listening. I'll go, I'll, I want to... You'll laugh because you know what I mean. I've sat with people, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, shh. <laughs> Zip it. <laughs> www.zip it. Uh, <laughs> That's a movie that we won't discuss at the house of God. <laughs> but, hey, but then sometimes I find I'm, I, I'm not always the best listener. Well, as a pastor, I'm terrific. But <laughs> just as a person, I was in the hospital yesterday. The doctor was telling me all these things. And I was eyeball to eyeball, actively nodding. I know that he was telling me very important things that really had a lot to do with the health and well-being of my oldest child, my offspring, if you will. I reckon within 10 seconds of that conversation finishing, I had absolutely no idea really anything that was discussed. Donna gets to the hospital. Have you spoken to the doctor? Yeah, yeah, we had a great chat. What did he say? I don't remember. And she rolls her eyes. Sometimes I listen, but I don't listen right. One time Donna asked me to go and pick up mints. So I came back with Eclipse mints. It was a specific, it was a specific request. I thought a gingivitis is playing up again, but... But listening, when it comes to the presence of God, like Joel Pittman and I, we've been friends for years. Now, if Joel and I hung out and I was like, hey, Joel, hope you're doing good. Yeah, this has been happening, blah, 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 blah. And then, oh, man, thanks for hanging out. It was great. Amen. And I leave. That is what a lot of us do with God. We just blah, 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 blah. Now, let me say this. God's a father. He loves it. He loves to hear everything you've got to say. My kids talk. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in every single word they say. Don't get me wrong. It's not, this is not some condemnation for those that like to pour out their heart to God. God loves it. Loves it. Wants to hear it. Do it more. Do it every day of your life. Anything you want to say to God, say it. Your words go to the throne room of heaven. It matters. But also stop and listen. Because can I say, my words never created the planet. My words never created man. My words never created the sun and the stars. And My words didn't. His words do. 
And so though my words have power when I bring them to God and I speak to God, those words do have power. But church, you've got to understand that, that, that His words can shape a planet. His words can, His words can subdue nations and principalities. And so the, the point that I'm trying to make is when we come into the presence of God, practically speaking, come in, worship, sing, praise, magnify, but stop. How much of our devotional time with God is in silence? Just sitting back, okay. And he speaks. Church, I... Religion wants you to hear the voice of God through the pastor or through a man. I tell you, as as your pastor, I want a church full of people that hear God, that know how to... Oh, God, you're talking to me. Take a minute. Take a minute and hear let me tell you, I, I'm a loud Pentecostal praiser, shouter, get happy. I love making noise before God. I love all of those things. But there is still something mature in God about taking the time to stop and listen to God. So I'm not trying to make our church this quiet, reflective. Let me come in on Sundays. I still want to be us. But at the same time. <laughs> oh man, I feel the presence of God in here. Sorry about that. But I still think there's times where we go. I want to hear your voice. As his words drip from heaven. And he speaks to our heart. You say, David, how, I've tried to hear God. Well, this, the Bible says about God's voice. He who has ears, let him hear. So he's, if we have the ears to hear, he'll speak. The Bible says, Psalm 94, today if you hear his voice. Zechariah says, therefore it happened in verse 13 of chapter 7. Uh, he proclaimed they would not hear. So they called out. He said, I won't listen. In other words, if you, if you, if you don't listen, I'm not going to speak. I like Old Testament God. He got a bit mad. New Testament God is nicer. <laughs> Old Testament God, if you didn't go to church, you're dead. John ten twenty seven, which is how it should be. You'd get here on time if he was a bit more vengeful, wouldn't you? It's John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Can I say things change when I talk to God, but they really change when he talks to me. Bob Sorge says, when I talk, nothing happens. When God talks, the universe comes into existence. So the power of prayer is found not in convincing God of my agenda, but in waiting upon him to hear his agenda. Number two. How do we come into the presence of God? How do we come to the secret place? Number two, with an obedient response. This Scripture that I'm about to share with you is the silver bullet of effective Christian living. This is, this is the magic button. James 1.22, this is the silver bullet of Christianity. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know, number two, I want to look at an obedient response. We come with a listening ear and we come with an obedient response. The New Testament word for obedience is hupakoe. It sounds like a town in New Zealand, doesn't it? Into hupakoe koe. It's, it's hupakoe. 
And that's the compound of two Greek words. Hoopa means to hear. Sorry, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but it's still very powerful. You didn't know. So the Greek guy at the back is eating a euros and he was disagreeing fervently. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Father, I need your help today. I really do. Can I tell you, I believe the 10th gift of the Spirit is not dignity, but it's actually mischief. The word hoopo means to come under. And the word koi means to hear. Obedience means to hear or listen under compliant submission to God. To be obedient is to hear, so to listen. In compliant submission to God. Wow. Wow. Somebody say wow. Now say it backwards. Say wow. <laughs> you and I have the, the ability to map out our lives without this process of obedience. It's so easy for you and I to... To as basically scripture says in Psalm 33, 10, 11, the Lord brings the council of nations to nothing and he makes the plans of the people to no effect. We can come up with every plan for our lives in the natural. We do this, we do that, we organize this, make this happen. This is that, that's, that is this, all that. And, and, and we've got our agenda and we hope God breathes on it. We hope God anoints it. But then the Bible goes on to say, the council of the Lord stands forever. Instead of focusing on building our own dreams, let's be obedient to Him. Because we are most satisfied when our satisfaction's in Him. And it's so important we understand, you will be happiest in life in the will of God. Some of you think you'll be happy. You've made a list of all the natural things. If I can just have this, 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 I'll be happy. Let me tell you, I've made lists and I've had them come to pass. It doesn't make you happier. The happiest place in the world is in the will of God. I can tell you right now, I've traveled and I've preached all over the world. I still do. I, I see the world. But can I tell you, when I come back to Adelaide and I see our stupid Stoby poles, that are the, no other city in the world has our Stoby poles except a couple of regional towns in New South Wales. I Googled it. Our Stoby poles were made by a guy whose last name was Stoby. Every other state calls them telegraph poles. And he decided to build them with cement in the middle and, and, and stainless steel sides. And can I tell you, they still make them. They've been making them for 95 years. There's over 750,000 of them in Adelaide alone. <laughs> but I get into Adelaide and I see our stupid Stoby poles and I think, I'm home. <laughs> I get to Adelaide and we could... Uh, William Light, he was a visionary, except when it came to road transport, he was useless. We, we got the worst road system in the world. We are a city of 1.4 million without a functional freeway. I mean, I mean, you can go, it takes 40 minutes to get to Holden Hill. Our city is hopeless, but I love it. I mean, I'm so, I'm so parochial. I love South Australia. I get to Melbourne, I can't be bothered. I get to Sydney and I think, why would you? I get to Darwin and I get in a bunker and avoid a, a cyclone. I, you, I go to Perth and I think, man, it's good to occasionally visit another country. 
but I love Adelaide. I love our gum trees. I, I just, I, I, lo- I love the fact that it's not really that green. Our grass is some kind of beige. I mean, it, <laughs> I love our beaches. I, I love this place because it's home. But do you know why I love it, really? You know why I love driving regional South Australia, going to the York Peninsula? I mean, they've got the Gold Coast in Queensland, but we've got Ardrossan. (laughs) (laughs) But do you know why I don't mind? Because I know God's called me here. And I'm living in the will of God. I mean, I, didn't, I don't think when I was young, I grew up and aspired to have a home in Modbury Heights. <laughs> but can I tell you, I'm so happy I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Why? Because it's where God's called me. And can I tell you, obedience is the most satisfying place. The Bible says a lot about obedience. The Bible says that within obedience is everlasting life. He says, I know his command is everlasting life. Obedience causes God to look on us. The Bible says, but on this one, I'll look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. Isaiah 66 too. Obedience creates greater intimacy. I'll give you, I'll give you one more thought, maybe blessing if you can come. Obedience uh, gives, gives us unshakable foundations. The Bible says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken them. This is in Matthew 7. Liken them to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was found on the rock. But anyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. When the rain descended and the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, it fell and great was its fall. You know, Jesus never said the storms are negotiable. He says they're going to come. They're going to come. But here's the, here's the thing. He says they're going to come. But if your foundations are foundations that have been obedient and obeys the word, hearers and doers, he says you'll survive. I'm going to give you one more scripture, one more thought, and then I'm done. Number three. This is how we come into the presence of the Lord. Church, can, can, I, can I talk? Can we be sort of real for a minute? This I want you to get. Every person in the room. Let's not, let's not be a collective church. Just pretend I'm sitting down as your pastor and having a chat with you. And I want you to know that what I'm saying to you, I'd say to myself. And I don't live above it and I don't always have victory in this. But this is another way we come into the presence of God. Number three, with a searchable heart. The Bible says uh, eight times in Scripture, once in Exodus, twice in Deuteronomy, once in Jeremiah, twice in Luke, twice in Acts. It says, take heed to yourselves. Two of those times, Jesus said it. What does it mean? It means pay attention, take care, guard yourself, watch out. In other words, a secret place is that place of constant calibration of the soul. It's a lifestyle of stopping and taking candid spiritual inventory. David said, Psalm 139, 23, Search me, O God, what the psalmist said rather. Search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. Matthew 26, I'm closing with this. Jesus gets his disciples together and he says, one of you are going to betray me. Everyone that was there, this blows my mind, except for one disciple said, Lord, is it me? Is it I? These, these followers of Jesus had the, had the tenderness of heart before God to still look at themselves and know they knew 
within themselves that they were still people who had the capacity to fail. They were still people who had the capacity to mess up. And they came humbly before God and said, God, is it, is it me? Can you, can you search my heart? And, and, and here's, the thing, here's the thing that I want to say to you is that we, we, we need to be a people whose hearts before God is searchable, where we take spiritual inventory and allow God to look at our stuff. You know, the, 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 the worst kind of Christian in the world is not the Christian who fails. It's the Christian who thinks they're without flaw. The Christian who thinks everyone else is wrong, but they're right. Can I, can I tell you, so many times I've had to come into that secret place and say, God, am I jealous? Am I envious? Am I full of pride? Am I judgmental? Am I selfish? Am I being honest, even with myself? Treating people with love and kindness? Am I, am I backing others or am I using people? Am I, am I seeking myself and my own interests over, over your interests? What, whatever it is, am I pure of heart? Am I pure of motive? You know, the one person that didn't ask Jesus in that room is that I was the one who betrayed him, Judas. You know, today, I'm not looking to you and saying that anyone's in sin or out of whack. or it's not, That's not what I'm here to do. We don't condemn. If the world needed condemnation, God would have sent a condemner. But he sent a saviour. You know, his word has a saving factor to it. If we, if we look at his word, we can search our own hearts. Can I, can I say as Christian, this is for me, this is what I wanted to say. As the pastor here, I want our church to be a clean church. And when I say clean, it doesn't mean I don't want people in here that have issues, that fall into sin, that have weaknesses. I want a church full of people like that. But I want a church with a clean heart. You might have an issue with booze. You might have an issue with this. I'm not saying go for it. That's great. But that, that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is just your purity of heart before God. Because if your heart is something that God can do. Josh Greenwood's one of my best friends. He has been for 30 years. He's the, the, the lead pastor over there at Influences. His mum and dad always had this, they had a nice house in Modbury Heights for years. But they had this lounge room. None of us were allowed to play in there. That was for the, like, the important visitors. About 15 years later, I remember going back to Josh's house towards the end of high school. The room was still the same. No one's allowed in there. The couch still had the plastic on it. If you stepped on the carpet. And they would use it for like important people. But I remember, and, and they, I'm not criticising them. They're allowed to have as many rooms that are for the important people. I mean, we've still got our set of towels in case the Queen needs a shower at our place. <laughs> They're the special towels. I like to use them when Donna's away. And <laughs> I apologise but I pray that in my heart there isn't places God's not allowed to talk into when he comes in I want to say God whatever is in the recesses of my soul that you need to clean up you need to deal with 
my attitude, my selfishness. It's easy to be selfish as a husband. It's easy to be selfish as a wife, parent. Lord, just know that when I come into your presence, I'm listening and I'm obedient. But if you need to address something in my life, because, you know, I, I don't want a church full of mean Christians, a church full of controlling Christians, a church full of Christians that wound each other, a church full of Christians that keep a click and judge other people, or a church full of people that look down on other people. I want us, as our church, one thing I want for Life Point Church is this to be a church where people, we actually see the good in people because we know that God sees the good in us where we love one another, where there, where there isn't politics, where there isn't striving, where there isn't games, where we just actually, we all love Jesus. We're all sinners, but we're now born again. So now our status has changed on Facebook, born again, heaven bound. And you know, together we have a God who can search. Why aren't you letting God fix? Why aren't you letting God address? You know, the cool thing is it doesn't need to get uncomfortable here because that's why you actually can go to a secret place. I'm not asking you to present your junk to me. I don't want to know your junk. I just want to know you're talking to the one that can fix it. Let me tell you, the best prescription for an effective life is not sitting on the counselling chair or telling you shrink everything that's wrong with you. The best thing to do is come before God, shut the door, turn off the phone, say, God... I love you, I worship you, here I am in your presence. And God, just like he waited for the prodigal to come home, he's waiting in the secret place for you to just... God, in Jesus' name. And there he is. That's what I want to encourage us to do. How are we going to grow as a church? You know what, I figure if we just work on this stuff, the growth will take care of itself. Have a pure-hearted, clean church. That's the end of my sermon. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about David and Donna, please visit our website, davidhall.com.au.